hearing you talk, it's amazing to think about how much like the, all of the artistic things and that we, she never brings up things like how this is really a tiny town <laughs> that's moving to every, every city. Like that this is such a big, it's such a big spectacle besides the songs, even though I'm, you know, the, the songs and the music is what I'm focused on. But I also know that she's so powerful. She, she hired the rain to rain, you know, like she can, she can, do you know, <laughs> she's, she's that she can make one call and have it rain, <laughs> you know, like she's got that much money. She controls weather. Oh, you know God. what I mean? <laughs> this is what's fascinating to me is that it's so, um, it's so personal as if she's just like your neighbor and she has, she's just got it. You know, she's got an album out. Good for her. You know, she's really, she really loves what she does. And, you know, I feel like I know her or whatever, but then there's the, the other part of it, which is like, you know, she, she's writing, you were talking about writing songs that she's writing songs while she's on the tour, releasing them. Then she's also, when we did the re-releases of all of her music already, which was wild to have recorded something and then re-recorded it with her. And then also while she's on the tour, new music. And then also after all these number one songs on the billboard charts, all of a sudden the albums are now back on the billboard charts at the same time. So it's this wild, I mean, has there, there's really not been anything like this ever on that side of things of just, you know, the, the machinations of that, but just that it really is this, this tour is like, uh, like a happy tornado, <laughs> I guess. You're listening to a conversation between Joanna Rakoff, an author and era's tour groupie, and Tamara Federici, producer of every band ever. Already in progress. Back with us today is Joanna Rakoff, who's joined us last time for She, as you remember, um, was with us last time, just happened to be right before the Midnight's album came out and she picked Taylor Swift um, to talk about. So we had a lot of fun doing that. She's back here full circle um, to talk about her experience of hearing the music live and the ears to her itself. This is post 10 number one hits, post Ticketmaster scandal, post boyfriend change in the midst of thousands of fans who are lining up outside of the coliseums that she's playing at just to sing her music. Um, so I'm eager to hear what this was like for you, Joanna. Um, so thank you so much for coming back. I'm really excited to talk to you. Oh my God. I'm so excited to be here. I have so many questions for you. Um, and yeah, I was, well, okay, I'll save it. But I mean, the concert, like my two second kind of like summary, if you had to ask me was people in costumes. <laughs> yes. I was not prepared for that I mean I just didn't understand I obviously understood the volume and breadth of Taylor Swift's you know kind of fame and cult or what have you but I didn't really get that I was going to arrive at um so I live in Boston so I saw her at Gillette Stadium it still seems weird to call it Gillette Stadium it's like a razor or whatever anyway <laughs> but um but I wasn't prepared to park our car and see immediately, I mean, a hundred 
young women. I mean, I'm not sure how old they were. Were they teenagers? Were they in their 20s? I have no idea. Um, dressed as Taylor Swift at various moments in her career. Um, or just kind of in crazy Taylor Swift mashup costumes or with, um, you know, 13 drawn all over them or T-shirts that said, I'm the problem, it's me. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. What was I thinking? I have no idea what I was thinking, but not that. That is not what I was thinking. <laughs> were you, now what era were you dressed in? That's a really good question. So I... Um, initially was thinking stadium concert. I am dressed as Taylor Swift at home with her cat <laughs> in sweatpants and a cup of chamomile tea. <laughs> However, so I discussed this with my husband, whose name is Kirill, who has a uniform. He wears the same, not the exact same thing, but he has like an outfit that he wears pretty much every day. So that's what he wore. He was like Taylor Swift dad outfit. Um, and he, I said, you know, stadium concert, I should wear something really comfortable, right? And he said, absolutely. You know, sneakers, just be as comfortable as you can. <laughs> and so I, He's obviously I, I actually, not a Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> no, no he, he is a Taylor Swift fan secretly. He won't admit it. Like as in yesterday, he sent me a screenshot of a man wearing... Um, a t-shirt that said dads are Swifties too. And I mean, obviously he wants that t-shirt, right? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest here. I don't have a pair of sweatpants, so I couldn't actually full on commit to the cat, you know, at home. I guess it would be like the Taylor Swift lockdown folklore evermore period. Um, <laughs> so I was wearing just a pair of like loose trousers and like some sort of shirt. And my, middle child whose name is Pearl, who's 14, was like, uh, no, mama, is that really what you're going to wear? No. And so I changed into a black, kind of like somewhat fitted, sparkly dress um, that has a kind of like, I'm going to murder you with an ice pick in your sleep sort of look to it. Um, not tight, because I still wanted to be comfortable. Um, and um, here, like, I was getting so much feedback from my family. Kirill walked in and was like, I don't think you should wear that. You need to be comfortable. Like, what? No. And I showed it to my other kids and my son, who's 18 and is probably the biggest Swifty in our family, um, said, you know, reputation. Yeah. And I was like, yes, reputation. So that's really the answer to your question. And but then I succumbed to pressure and changed at the last minute. I had a conversation with Pearl who was like, you know, mama, it can be anything. Like you could just wear a red dress and then you're red. And so that is what I did. Um, I had approximately 30 seconds to change um, before getting in the car. Um, and so I wore like a kind of red dress with puffy sleeves from this designer called Batsheva, who makes these dresses that are all based on the Laura Ashley dresses she owned as a small child. So you basically look kind of like an American girl doll in them. And um, so I did not look like Taylor Swift, but I was wearing red and I did wear like a cat eye. So I attempted to do this like through YouTube videos and looking at pictures of Taylor Swift. And um, 
notoriously the lines for the bathroom at the show were insanely long, like an hour long wait to go to the bathroom. So I waited um, through all the opening acts. I waited until Taylor got to a song that was not one of my favorites. There are very few that are not my favorites, but there was one that I was like, I like this, but like, I can miss it. Went to the bathroom, peed, looked in the mirror and my cat eye was like smeared all over my face. So I looked not like Taylor Swift by any stretch of the imagination, but more kind of like flea bag. I would say you did Taylor Swift right. She would want you to make it your own, but also the, you're part <laughs> of a breakup song is what it sounds like. You're part of Taylor's new breakup songs. That's what you were channeling. Exactly. You're very Taylor Swift. You're, 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 you're being in your feelings, Taylor Swift. I think. Yeah, I was like Taylor Swift in her Laura Ashley nightgown with her makeup smeared all over her face yeah. for the day. Yes. See, that's what you went as. You did it. You did it better yes. than you thought you could do it. It's like when kids on Halloween go as like a zombie cheerleader. Yes. That's what I... You and a zombie yeah. Taylor. I saw the very first show, and I'm going to go see the very last show. Um, yeah, so I think they'll be in, you know, pretty a little pretty different. What are the things that you remember the most about this show? Well, I think the thing that I found so unbelievably moving were the moments when Taylor just kind of chatted with the 70,000 people there. <laughs> Not mentioning probably the hundreds of people that it took to produce it, like with the fire and fireworks and like thousand costume changes. Um, she somehow was able to make a huge stadium show feel like an intimate show at like a bar. Like there was, I recorded a couple of things very badly um, because I was so moved by her just kind of talking extemporaneously to us. Like she at one point just started talking about how and why she decided to re-record all her albums just in this very kind of like casual, we're having a conversation way filled with like ums and, you know, and, um, I mean, of course, she was standing there in like a sequined red outfit. <laughs> um, so that was not that casual, but it was just incredible. Like people were wrapped and she was so just, this is a word that I hate, but she was so authentic and just nice and warm. And she seemed genuinely so happy to be there, so happy to be performing singing she seemed to genuinely love everyone there with her like genuinely love gracie abrams genuinely genuinely adore phoebe bridgers but also genuinely love like her dancers like she was having so much fun with them they were incredible and genuinely love the audience and you know i being like a former goth teen or whatever like i feel like i've seen so many shows in my long ago youth where people were like you know, screw you. Like they were so like, like spitting on the audience and like resentful and angry and like fame sucks and whatever. And she was just like, I get to do what I love to do and you love it too. How exciting is that? I'm such a happy person. You know, there was no like griping about anything. There was no like bitching about things people have said to her or said about her, nothing, you know, she just was kind of chatting with us about, and this is what I found remarkable as a person who, not to get all serious, Tamara, but like, I think you'll understand this, like as a person who makes art, basically, I found it 
really wonderful that she was just kind of talking to us about making music and why she does it and why she loves performing. Like she talked about lockdown and how it made her realize how much she loves performing and that it's just part of the fabric of her life that she's been performing since she was a kid. And she talked about how during, you know, the first year or two years of the pandemic, people were saying like live shows are dead and they're not going to come back. And I remember when people really believed that and obviously that was wrong, (laughs) but um, wrong in space, but it was just so moving and honestly inspiring to hear her talk about why she creates things. Um, And I was thinking back on when Midnight's first came out, I think actually right before I talked to you. So I don't remember if we talked about this or not, but I um, had COVID actually. (laughs) And I spent a day on the couch watching TV, but also watching Taylor Swift videos and clips um, that my kids were sending me. And so I watched this clip of her on Jimmy Fallon, I think, where she, he said to her in this honestly, like really stupid and misogynistic way, like why, you know, you just keep putting out albums. Like, why do you do that? I mean, isn't it too much? Like, why don't you stop? Why don't you take a break? And I felt like the underlying message was like, why don't you like get married and have kids and just like chill out? you know, why do you keep making all this stuff? You know, you're making us all feel bad. And she handled it, you know, with unbelievable grace and intelligence. And she said many things, but one of those things was, I am happier when I am writing songs. I just have noticed this about myself. I, it doesn't tire me out. It makes me happy and excited and energized. And, you know, what she was really talking about and what she talked about at the concert was the difference between a career and a vocation, right? Because there are those people who are called to make art. I don't believe in God. I'm not saying like called by God. I'm just saying like called by their own personalities. And that's, and if that's you, then when you sit down to, you know, paint or for me, like, write a book or an essay or a screenplay, like it doesn't feel like work. That's when you're happiest. And so I love that she was talking to the audience as if we were her equals and we were just going to get what she meant. And people really did, you know, they were cheering her on. They were like, yes, we love you. We get what you're saying. And um, it was wonderful. And inspiring and exciting and honestly like unprecedented for me in terms of live music it must be so exciting to hear people's responses for you having like worked so intimately with her for so long like one thing that i'm curious about is just how does she do it i mean how does she have the energy like that show she did what like 43 songs 44 and yeah (laughs) 44 10 acts. And um, <laughs> my other favorite part were um, the surprise songs. Tell me about those. What were your two surprise songs? Um, our two surprise songs were Red and um, I Think He Knows from Lover. And, um, and she talked, I was wondering if you were in the room for this. She talked about how when she recorded I Think He Knows with Jack Antonoff. I don't get to call him Jack. But you you can. Um, <laughs> Maybe <Yes>. someday. 
<laughs> Maybe I'll do the music <gasps> for the TV adaptation. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, obviously with you, that, that I'll be around. Like, I'll keep an same. eye on him. I mean, if you have time, I know he will, but I don't, I don't know. know. I hope so. Um, that would be exciting. I can't wait. You're busier than he is. But she talked about how when they recorded it, they were just like cracking up because it was just so fun. Um, and they were just like kind of dancing and having the best time. They were like, this song is just so fun. fun. And what was kind of revelatory for me is I have a strange relationship with Lover as an album. And that song is one I've really never thought about before. It, I didn't, I wasn't like, this song is bad, but it just wasn't in my kind of canon of my favorite Taylor Swift songs, which is always evolving. But her, you know, she did it on the guitar and it was so incredible. And I've now listened to it approximately 1 million times <laughs> since the concert, like singing along really loudly and forcing everyone I know to listen to it. And um, it was so good. And then the other surprise song, Red, she was supposed to do on the piano. And our concert, you may have heard about this. I don't, I'm assuming you weren't there because you've been in LA, but the night before our concert, there was a huge storm and there was, she performed during a torrential downpour and she sat down at the piano and it started kind of like playing chords. <gasps> she told me this. I know the story. I know the story. That is so weird. That feels like a, like a ghost in the stadium. Yes. Like is the ghost there for the football stuff or is it just musicians? <laughs> like, I know. What does Tom <laughs> say about this? Seriously. <laughs> Is he discussing this with Trump right now? Right. Where's his, what's the ghost status on a regular game day, I guess? Was it just, yeah. yes, that is craziness. But it kind of, it was so maybe strange. she hired the ghost. I don't know. It seems like that was a surprise, but I wouldn't, you know, maybe that was a secret surprise was ghosts that night. I don't know. It's so weird. Well, that's, we were all saying afterwards that we thought at first that it was staged and that maybe it was a player piano. We, we actually have a player piano um, in our house. So, um, so we're all kind of familiar with player pianos. And, <laughs> that's um, a unique thing for a family to be like, we're all kind of familiar with player pianos. That's <laughs> kind of awesome. <laughs> we, and it's like a white kind of like Liberace piano <laughs> it's a white lacquer piano um, I'll just quickly explain because you might, I'm wondering if you've used these or if anyone that you've worked with has used them basically Kirill has it because um, he uses it in composing and essentially you can kind of play something and it plays it back for you so I could be getting this wrong as a person who doesn't know that much about composing classical music or anything but I think that what he can do is, you know, like, let's say he's writing a piece that's for piano and violin and like, I don't know, gong or like ukulele, whatever. He's never done that. But anyway, like he can sort of have the piano part played for him while he does the violin part and kind of hear a bit what it's like. Wild. I have not thought to use those a lot, but they would be really helpful. And uh, the last time I saw one was in the, it was in the Peabody Hotel and it was playing all wistful songs during the pandemic, the early part of the pandemic. And it was all like Bonnie Raitt's, um, I Can't Make You Love Me. <laughs> so oh my was, God, a player piano playing Bonnie yeah, Raitt. And, it was, and then when I came in, I actually have this recorded by accident. The other one is um, 
Purple Purple Rain. It's all like kind of sad <sighs> songs. And then um, the one from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Moon River. So it's it's Moon all River. that type of stuff. But it was sort of like one. How did these guys know that in the middle of a pandemic? We would not be needing, you know, like that we couldn't use people there. So the self-playing piano was like, man, you guys were really on the money with this. How did you know? And then. Yes. I just, before we had one, I assumed that all player pianos only played like the theme song for the entertainer. (laughs) You know, that's what I thought a player piano was. That would be so funny. I, uh, but yeah, that's what we thought the moss covered piano was. We thought it was like some kind of trick and she was we didn't know what was going to happen but it turned out to be real and so she ended up doing it on the she was like I guess I'll do this on the guitar okay and that was another amazing moment it was like she was she was like wait do you guys hear that what is going on here and she was genuinely cracked up and baffled wild that was your night oh my gosh holy cow yes (laughs) well so I will say that moss is sort of a known um it's a, a damper. So a lot of people use them on their pianos is a, a moss dampener. And so, oh. right, that actually helps muffle the sound and make it sound a little differently. So that was from, I mean, it makes sense because that's from the 1800s and people don't really use it anymore because we have climate controlled situations for the most part. But sort of the more moss, the better. If you want a moss, there is a thing called like a mossy sound. So people know that that means you're kind of like, a, you're kind of going to get um you know, like a little, a little down, downtrodden, you know, yeah, it just sounds like it's covered. And then, you know, you do have to take care of it. You can't let the moss get dry. So you need to have somebody, some people actually hire a part-time moss waterer, moss spritzer person. So she may have one or the rain may have done it itself, but you know, it has a whole ecosystem in there. Sometimes you get worms and that'll change the sound. It makes it sound more, mm. um, I'm going to say rubbery. It makes it sound a little more, it just sounds different when there's life in there and then when there's not. And then when you're done with it, you just put it, lay it back out on the ground and that's it. So it's actually been a really ecologically sound, um, you know, type of instrument covering to use. I feel like I wish we would go back to that. Yeah. I'm going to go to the moss store this afternoon. I think- and check out their selection. It's great. Yeah. The greener, the better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if they try to sell it to you without the dirt, they're they're kidding themselves. So yeah, it's just going to die. die. Right? That's just grass. That's dirt. just somebody's mowed grass. Wow. Truly freaking epic. Joanna Rakoff has written two international bestsellers, My Salinger Year, the memoir and feature film starring Margaret Qualley and Sigourney Weaver, and her novel, A Fortunate Age. Rent my Salinger year wherever you stream movies. Tamara Federici is currently writing an album for tweens with The National. EBE is Will Velasquez as editor and producer Clark Jackson as audio engineer Will Briley as publicity Mary Lear as coordinator Jonah Katz as special projects with artwork by Simon Morris Winheld Linktree at every band ever on Instagram. Bye bye. <laughs>